Hey, Braves fans. Welcome to another edition of State of the Braves. I'm your host, George McNair. It is great to be back with you, and I am pumped because we are only about, well, we're about 27 hours away um, as I'm looking at my clock. We are about 27 hours away from the start of the regular season for the Atlanta Braves, um, and they play at 8 p.m. Uh, on Thursday night against the Cincinnati Reds. It is going to be a home game, uh, which is kind of rare for the Braves. The last several seasons, it seems like they have been forced to start um, on the road, and they would have done that again this year if it had not been for uh, kind of the lockout bumping some games to later in the season. But it's awesome for that, and I'm really looking forward to this season. It's been an interesting offseason, as we all know, as Braves fans, a lot of action, uh, and particularly since the lockout ended. Uh, so I wanted to start this episode, uh, which is going to be primarily dedicated to uh, projecting and predicting uh, what the Braves season uh, is going to be like, uh, who's going to make the playoffs, uh, how are the playoffs are going to go, and uh, I'll be interested to to see, of course, how my predictions pan out. But before I get into that, I want to give you a little bit of Braves news uh, as what has been going down uh, in the last few days since we uh, we spoke together last time. So the Braves have made a few uh, roster decisions. The, the official um, opening day roster is not set as of right now. Uh, but a few things that we we know about, and we pretty much know the roster at this point. So uh, the big surprising move, uh, probably the most surprising move for the Braves, is that they're keeping William Contreras up at the major league level. He is uh, probably the Braves' top, not probably, he is the top catching prospect for the Braves in the system. Uh, he's been kind of up and down with the Braves the last two years. Uh, but the interesting thing is, if you've been uh, paying attention to um, to spring training at all, is he's been in the outfield a good bit. So the Braves are giving him a look in the outfield. Uh, I don't think they're they're planning on keeping him out there long term. I think they like him still as a catcher, but they're trying to make him a little more um, flexible in how they can use him. And so they obviously see him as a really nice bench bat. Um, a better bench bat than some of the guys that were kind of projected to be the primary utility guys. So, you know, all the guys that were being talked about, Brock Holt got released, um, and then Pat Vileka and Phil Gosselin, they, they seem to be vying for the job, and then the Braves sent both of them down to the minor leagues, and it's like causing everybody to scratch their heads. Um, and not many people foresaw them going this route and using Contreras in this way on the bench. I think what will likely happen is once the um, the rosters contract from 28 to their regular 26 um, by May 1st, I think you'll probably see Contreras go back to AAA, barring any kind of injuries to their catching staff uh, or their catching guys. Um, so, yes, that has that is definitely a little bit of a surprise, but it's an interesting way to maybe get Contreras some at bats. He does have some power. Uh, and I think particularly if you see a lefty out there, you might see Contreras maybe uh, utilized as the DH. Uh, the other guy that was uh, somewhat of a surprise is Spencer Strider. Uh, it was thought that he might have an outside chance of making it into the Braves uh, starting staff, but he's going to be utilized out of the bullpen. Um, and it's surprising because uh, he will be a starter long term, and uh, you just kind of would expect him to stay in AAA and continue to start games. 
But again, with this expanded roster, I think the Braves see that they could utilize him in the first month of the season out of the bullpen and then maybe send him back down and get him stretched back out uh, in AAA from that point on. Uh, but Strider has a dynamic arm. It's going to be really interesting to see how he performs out of the bullpen. And the last piece is it looks like Darren O'Day is going to make uh, the opening day roster. It's cool for him. He's uh, the ageless wonder. He's like 40 years old. He's the side armor. Uh, if you, you might remember uh, if you're a Braves fan that he pitched with the Braves uh, two years ago. Uh, he's always been pretty um, pretty effective, even though he, I don't think he throws over about 84 miles an hour anymore. But um, because of his his style, he just gets results. Um, but as long as he can stay healthy, he's been often injured over the last probably five seasons. So when he is healthy, he's an effective guy, and he's a really good clubhouse guy. I know that they, they've always liked him in the clubhouse. All right, well, I mentioned that the Braves – are starting the season um, Thursday night at 8 p.m. This game is on ESPN2, so if you have the ESPNs, uh, definitely watch that game. Uh, one cool thing is that this night the Braves are raising their World Series banner, so what a cool moment for them. And they get to wear their gold-lined uniforms. This has become a new thing, and um, I don't know, maybe cheesy on one hand, but then when it happens to your team, it's kind of cool on the other so it's just their normal uniforms, uh, and their their lettering is lined with gold. A couple couple cool things to it. A nod uh, that they are the World Series reigning World Series champs. So kind of cool thing. All right. Oh, one one last bit of news. I just wanted to point out a guy that I mentioned I really like, um, and he is he kind of finished the spring training on a great note. Is Bryce Elder. So the last spring training game for the Braves. He started the game. He got through four and two-thirds innings of no-hit ball. And, in fact, he didn't allow a hit in his seven and two-thirds innings over uh, the entirety of his spring. I mean, he only made two outings. But uh, when, you, when you allow no hits, still pretty impressive. Um, Bryce Elder has shot through uh, the Braves' uh, system in pretty much a year. Um, and he's going to start the, the season at AAA. But I just want to point this out because I really think he is going to uh, make a play for the Braves rotation at some point this season, you know, whether it's someone has an injury or somebody struggling. Uh, he's just been incredibly consistent. He's not a guy who necessarily blows people away with a ton of strikeouts. Um, he will get some strikeouts for sure, but he's around the plate a lot. Uh, and, you know, he's – He's kind of the, the opposite of the big arm guys that you see, you know, work their way through systems where they just have such great stuff that they make it. But when they get to the bigs, they can't throw a strike. I think he's going to be a guy who will come up and have a lot of success and just be a consistent guy in the rotation, which uh, is really beneficial. So I like Bryce Elder. Just look for him maybe midseason um, to as long as, you know, he can stay away from injury. I think he's going to be there. All right, well, what I want to do now is the primary reason for this episode is uh, really get into some projections for what the Braves are going to do as a team. The first thing I want to do is really break down the NL East uh, with some rankings for uh, different categories uh, of what we, you know, how we can break down each team. So those categories are starting rotation, bullpen, um, each team's offense, each team's defense. And then maybe another thing uh, that is a little hard to um, to project or measure, but I personally think is really important, and that is 
each team's clubhouse, their clubhouse culture. I guess you could probably throw in their coaching staff uh, as well, because I think sometimes that has something to do with it. Um, and again, yeah, this is gonna that part is definitely gonna be subjective uh, on my part, but nonetheless, I think it is an important thing to talk about. Okay, so um, the number one thing let's get started with is the starting rotation of each of each staff. Um, I have the Mets number one uh, and the Braves number two. I don't think there's much of a uh, much of a gap here, particularly because of the recent news that Jacob Degrom is going to be out for at least a month and probably longer. I mean, probably probably more like two months. And you know, when you're talking about shoulder issues with any pitcher, that is really dicey. So. Um, uh, this is definitely something that is going to probably make or break the Mets season is the status of DeGrom. Now, of course, they also have Max Scherzer, uh, but Scherzer is getting up there in age, you know, 37, 38 years old. He's got a, um, you know, a, a hamstring issue. Uh, he probably won't start the season quite on time. I, I don't think it's anything major, but, you know, Scherzer had a lot of little things happen to him at the end of last season. You just wonder if he's going to be out there consistently. So the Mets rotation, while yes, it's number one, it's really top heavy with those two guys. And if those two are not healthy, it totally shifts the entire Mets team. Um, the Braves, I mean, the Braves have their top three. And yeah, if something were to happen to them, I mean, it's, it's the same deal. Uh, but those three have tended to be a little more consistent with their health. And the Braves, I think, organizationally have a lot more depth uh, in their starting rotation. The, the the back two are a little bit of a question mark. Um, Inoa, um, Tucker Davidson, and Kyle Wright are going to all start the year um, for the Braves. They're going to start with a six-man rotation, so it will be interesting to see how that works out in the early going. Uh, but again, I think I think the, the Mets probably have two of the, the top three or four pitchers in all baseball uh, on their staff. But it's just a question of will they be healthy. Um, I, I like the Marlins actually at number three. Some projection systems have the Phillies with a better rotation. I just don't see that. Um, I think the Phillies generally are a little, um, the projections like them more than I think what will actually happen. The Marlins are difficult to project because they have such a young pitching staff. But it's really talented, pretty dynamic arms. And they also have a really deep um a, a deep minor leagues. Uh, so if, if guys come up injured, they're going to be able to fill those spots with some, with some talent, if nothing else. The Phillies do not have organizational depth. They basically have the guys that are in their staff right now, and that's about it. <laughs> and on top of that, um, you know, they have, they have Wheeler, who was nearly a Cy Young guy last year, uh, but he had the, the best season of his career. Will he be able to back that up? I'm not sure. Uh, maybe. Aaron Nola has been... Um, you know, okay. Uh, he was great in 2018, like Cy Young candidate, um, and he has that talent, but he hasn't really shown it the last few years. Um, and then they have some guys who I just don't know if they're going to back up what they've done in the past. So I just the Phillies to me don't don't give me a lot of confidence in their in their starting rotation. Uh, and then the Nationals are terrible, <laughs> and uh, you know I'll mention them because they're in the division, but um, there's not much there. Um, so maybe we just should move on. All right. Um, the bullpen. Let's get into the bullpens next, and then we'll move on to the offense. So um, absolutely the Braves are number one. The Braves might be number one in all of baseball in terms of their bullpen with the addition of Kenley Jansen. It's just very impressive. And and this is still with, you know, losing, probably losing Luke Jackson. Uh, they're still number one. They're, they're deep. 
um, and they're going to be able to shorten games. Uh, and again, so you know, in terms of the, the rotation, the Braves have a solid rotation, um, but any weaknesses can kind of be covered up at times with that good bullpen. Uh, the Marlins, I like them number two. They had a couple recent uh, acquisitions with the Orioles uh, that really bolstered uh, maybe some weaknesses they had in the middle of their bullpen. And um, I think they're going to be solid. They actually had a really solid bullpen last year. Um, so I, I foresee them being being a good bullpen again to support that young pitching staff, which is important. The Mets the Mets had a solid uh, solid pitching staff overall last year, and the bullpen uh, was was solid. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't anything to write home about. But I think they're kind of middle of the road, and you know they'll they'll probably lose them some games, but they'll be they'll be good for stretches as well. The Phillies will not have a good bullpen again. It might be slightly better than it has been. It's kind of been a dumpster fire in terms of their bullpen over the last several years. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's an improvement from that. They went out and got several guys that are kind of big names, uh, but were like big names five years ago. Uh, and so maybe they'll be solid, but they're probably not going to be spectacular. The Nationals, um, you talk about dumpster fire. That, that's going to be a real, real true dumpster fire. They are terrible in the bullpen. Sorry, Nationals fans, but man, it is going to be rough. Okay, so let's move on to the offense. I have the Braves with the number one offense. Um, pretty much every projection system is showing this too. The Braves are going to be very, very good, particularly, man, when Ronald Acuna comes back, that lineup is just going to be pretty elite with with not a lot of holes i mean you'll you'll have you'll have like dansby swanson and darno at the bottom of the lineup and those guys could have good years you know i i don't necessarily predict them to but i mean if they do you're just going to have no holes in the braves lineup uh the phillies are number two and they're going to have a really really good offense as well now I'm going to get the, get into this in a minute, but I mean these guys can can mash, but they can't catch a ball. So I mean you know there's there's give and take there, but none, nonetheless the Phillies have tremendous power. I mean Kyle Schwarber was added, um, Nick Castellanos was added. Uh, of course they already have the reigning uh, MVP and Bryce Harper. Not exactly my favorite player, but I mean he's in, he's he is pretty incredible. Um, and Real Muto. I mean the list goes on for the Phillies, so they're going to be able to hit. The Mets are solid. They're they're my number three. Uh, they did some things to you know to get better over the off season. They have um, I don't know if they added a ton of stars, but they added several, like three or four really solid players. Um, and I think that they're going to be much more consistent offensively than they were last year. It was one of their real problems last year was their offense really underperformed. Um, the Marlins are number four. I think they are going to take a step up offensively this year. They were uh, the second to worst offense in all of baseball last year. Um, and they they definitely added a few guys. Uh, Abasil Garcia and, of course, Jorge Soler from the Braves. Um, and if Soler continues to do what he did in the second half last season for the Braves, they're going to be very happy about that. So I do think the Marlins, while they're not going to have uh, probably even a, you know, top half of the, the league uh, kind of offense, they will be better to support what is a pretty good pitching staff. The Nationals again. Now, maybe maybe I would tie the Nationals with the Marlins simply because they have Juan Soto and the ageless Nelson Cruz, um, who is an amazing 42 years old and still 
still hitting in the big leagues. So, uh, you know, maybe the Nationals, they have, two, you know, probably better hitters in those two than anything the Marlins have. They just don't have much beyond that. Um, all right. On to the defense. Uh, I see I have the Marlins with the top defense. You know, defenses are hard to really analyze statistically. You know, baseball has so many stats for pitching and hitting. It's You can break down and have too many stats for that sort of stuff. But defense is definitely harder to analyze. I mean, maybe the eye test is the best way uh, to break it down. But the Marlins did have, by the statistics, if you believe them, the best defense in uh, the National League East last year. Now, the, the Marlins, Braves, and Mets all were like incredibly close. In fact, they slotted down Marlins, Braves, and Mets just exactly for all of baseball. They were back-to-back-to-back -back -back in terms of defense defensive rankings last year so the marlins were quite good uh, they were a top 10 defense um, their big question is what they're going to do with center field they really haven't addressed it this offseason maybe they make a trade at the very last minute or early in the season to address it uh, so depending on who they put out there could really impact whether they are a top defense or not but i do generally like uh, what they have in the field um they they did add Stallings, who was um, the the uh, Gold Glove catcher for the Pirates last year. Uh, so they have definitely gotten even better than they were last year, except for maybe center field. So again, we'll see where that goes. The Braves, I have at number two. You know, it, I've made it no secret that I don't love what they've done defensively with the outfield and not having a true center fielder. That's really going to show up until Acuna gets back. I think um, you know their their infield defense is is pretty elite. Uh, overall, um, Darno can't throw anybody out. But other than that, their de their defense, interior defense is really good. But their outfield defense until Acuna comes back is really weak. I mean, when you talk about a defense of Duvall out of position in center field, Rosario in right field, and, and Ozuna in left, that is uh, shaky to say the least. Um, but, you know, Acuna comes back, you get Ozuna out of the outfield, it gets better. Um, and, you know, who knows what they might do from there. Uh, but I, overall, I think the Braves are uh, very good defense, and they were top 10 defense last year as well. All right, and then the Mets. You know, the Mets have a pretty bad infield defense, um, except for Lindor, who is actually otherworldly. He's an incredibly good shortstop, um, but the rest of their infield is, is kind of lacking, uh, particularly when you talk about Alonzo and McNeil um, on that right side. So... You know, the Mets, I think, are going to be middle middle of the road defensively, uh, just kind of like they will be in the bullpen. Uh, nothing to write home about, but but maybe solid. Uh, I have the Nationals at number four. Again, is it really important to talk about the Nationals much? Not really. Uh, so let's move on. And the Phillies, I have number five. And quite honestly, uh, the Phillies probably will have a historically bad defense. They were the worst defensive team in the league, and it's it's kind of hilarious how they decided to go about this offseason. You would think, mm, maybe we should go out and get some guys who can actually field the ball, and instead they went out and got some guys who can hit the ball for sure, but are, in their own right, known to be terrible defenders, right? So they got Kyle Schwarber, um, they've got Nick Castellanos, you know, probably one of those guys is going to DH, but still, I mean, they don't know to this point who's going to play third base. Nick Bohm was terrible defensively last year and really didn't hit either. Um, it's even possible that our old friend Johan Camargo could end up winning that third base third base spot, which, you know, he is a pretty good defender um, over at third base. But, man, when you got Camargo 
as uh, you know, winning a winning a spot over Nick Bohm, you know that things are going bad for you. Uh, so yeah, the Phils are not going to be good defensively, and this is one reason why I really don't like the Phillies uh, at all is because they're probably going to lose a lot of really frustrating games with a bad bullpen and a bad defense. Uh, games are just going to slip away from them constantly, and that's that's hard to overcome, even just psychologically. Okay, my last area to talk about is the clubhouse for each team. Now, again, I mentioned this. Yes, this is very subjective. You might totally disagree with my take on this, but I do think it's important. I think this is one of those measures of baseball. You know, with all the stats of baseball, I think this is one of those things that the Braves have always taken really seriously and to their benefit, um, and it's almost impossible uh, to, to measure. Uh, I think it's why... All the projection systems got the Braves wrong last year. Uh, they really disliked the Braves. And even with all the struggles, you know, the Braves overcame and went won a World Series. And I think their clubhouse culture is a huge reason why that happened. So I do have the Braves number one in clubhouse culture. Um, you know, one thing you got to mention, and I'll try not to mention his name too much this podcast, but, but the loss of Freddie Freeman, what is that going to mean to the clubhouse generally? Uh, what's that impact? But of course, what's the impact of some of the new guys coming in as well? Um, you know, the Matt Olsons, um, uh, Ozuna re-entering the clubhouse. Uh, you got some other new guys like Kenley Jansen. But you also got a lot of guys returning who who know what um, what being a Brave is all about. You know, Will Smith. Um, while he's not my favorite uh, reliever, he's known to kind of lock down and be the leader of that bullpen. Um, and you saw some of the impact of that in the playoffs last year. Um, you know, you, you'll see what Swanson does and what Riley does and, and you know, Albies and, and um, Acuna coming back. So I really do think with, you know, Snicker at the helm and, you know, I, I really do love the Braves coaching staff generally. Um, I just think that this is uh, probably one of the best clubhouses in all of baseball. Uh, I like the Marlins clubhouse. If you watch them, they're always having fun. I think um, Aguilar, Aguilar um, their first baseman, is uh, one of the most fun guys to watch and listen to um, in the big leagues, and I think he keeps them loose. And so I just generally like the Marlins clubhouse too. The Phillies, man, I mean, it looks like sometimes they're having fun, but sometimes I feel like they're forcing, <laughs> forcing it. And it's like, um, you know, they had that thing with the, um, with the straw hat. You know, every time somebody hit a home run, they did that. And I was, it just seemed, I don't know, kind of like a show and not like it was real. Maybe I'm just being harsh, but um, you know, whatever. Maybe they'll, maybe they do have a good clubhouse. It just comes across as just being kind of meh. Not that fun to be around the Phillies. The Nationals, I don't really know. I, I really don't have too much of a take on the Nationals generally today, as you can tell. It's going to be hard to have a good clubhouse when you're just constantly losing games. Um, and then I have the Mets fifth. And that should be no shock because I think the Mets, I mean, have had clubhouse issues and internal issues for years. I think it's one of the big reasons why they constantly underperform. Uh, you know, you even had that weird situation last year with Lindor and Javi Baez where they're like flicking off the fans. Um, it, I mean, you know that things are not going right for you when that sort of stuff is happening. Uh, now, I will say one question I have for the Mets is the impact of Buck Showalter. You know, old school Buck is, is in for the Mets. And I mean, I've always kind of liked Buck Showalter. He's a no-nonsense guy. Um, 
And so I'm really interested to see what that does for them. It, it could, my take is it could either go really well or the guys uh, have no interest in his style and it could go really badly. So we, we will see, but you know, it is a big question mark and they do have some new guys coming to that clubhouse. So maybe that makes some changes and you got some positive vibes from the Mets, but you know, if history proves anything, it's that the Mets tend to underperform and that clubhouse tends to have some issues. All right. So those are my rankings and it's gonna, you know, those rankings should really give you a clue as to where I'm leaning of, uh, you know, for my projections. So the last thing I want to do uh, before I make my predictions is look at, uh, go back to fan graphs, uh, the website I use for a lot of these projections. Um, these zips projections from fan graphs gives us an idea um, of uh, what the stats are kind of pointing to. Um, and then I'll give you again my, my predictions from here. So for the NL East, they have the Braves winning 93 games and losing 69. Uh, as the top team in the NL East. They have the Mets, number two, uh, winning 89 games and losing 73. Now, we'll say this is down about three games from when DeGrom went down. So you can imagine if he goes down for the full season, that projection could really um, really tank the Mets a lot. Um, the Phillies, they have uh, at 88 and 74 wins, so just behind the Mets right now. Uh, they have the Marlins, number four, at 83 and 79. So it's interesting that they have uh, four winning teams coming out of the NL East. It's going to tell you that um, at least by that projection, it looks like the NL East is going to be a really good division this year. And then the Nationals they have uh, at the bottom at 73 and 89, surprising no one. All right. So here are my predictions for uh, the National League East. I, you know, and of course these numbers, I mean, I'm kind of throwing these uh, just off the wall to see if they stick. Um, but generally my rankings, I think, are solid based off of, um, you know, the, the way I ranked each of these areas for each team. So I have the Braves, number one. That should be no surprise to anybody. I love the Braves this season and what they've done, um, even though, as you guys know, I probably would have approached things differently um, and filled some holes a little differently. But I still really like this roster. Uh, I think it's dynamic and talented. So I have the Braves winning 95 games and losing 67. I actually think that they could they could push for 100 wins. I really do if all things went right. But I do think one thing that holds them back from that is I do think the NL East is going to be is going to be pretty solid. I don't think it's going to be as solid as uh, Zips is projecting, but I do think it's going to be a good division. I have the Mets number two. So I don't have the Mets collapsing, but I don't don't have them quite as good as the Zips projection. I have them winning 86 games and losing 76. Uh, so again, if if Scherzer or DeGrom miss any more time than what is already known, I think that's where you get that number. Um, so I, I think what they've done offensively is going to help them kind of hold on uh, to a few more games and be a little more consistent than they were last year. But I still don't think they're um, going to push you know 89 or 90 wins. I have the Marlins as the number three team in the NL East. I have them winning 84 games and losing 78. Um, I don't think that they're, you know, last year they only won like 67 games or something, but they were quite solid uh, through through July. And then they sold off everybody and they really tanked from there on out. They also, I think, had some injuries at the end of the year as well. 
So I, I don't see them selling off guys like they did last year. I think they're going to try to compete and continue to get better. Um, this really does require their offense to be a good bit better than it was last year. And, you know, so we'll see. But I do think they have a lot of good things going for them, like I said, in terms of their defense, in terms of their pitching, and in terms of a generally positive clubhouse. Um, number four, I have the Phillies. So I don't like the Phillies anywhere near as much as the, the Zips projections does. I think, the, like I said, the psychological impact of having a bad bullpen that blows games and having a bad defense uh, that misses <laughs> – you know, misses balls and, and, you know, throws balls away that matters. And so I just, I just see them, um, not being able to consistently win. Um, so that's why I have them at 81 and 81, a 500 team. They're, they're going to have a great offense. They're going to match balls. They're probably going to be pretty fun to watch, pretty interesting to watch, but I don't think they're going to be consistent. And then the nationals, I don't really know how they're going to win 73 games from that projection. So I have them at 70 and 92, and I can actually see it getting a lot worse uh, because as we know with teams like this, uh, they're going to get to the all-star break and they're going to start selling everybody they can to get uh, to get prospects. Nelson Cruz, I mean, you can almost guarantee if he's still hitting, um, he is going to be traded at the all-star break. That sort of thing is going to happen. The only guy that's going to stay is Juan Soto, um, and he can't carry it all. So, those are my predictions. Um, now let's get into um, the predictions for how I see the playoffs going in 2022. Um, oh, one more thing I wanted to mention just generally. So Zips, like I said, projects the Braves at 93 wins. The only team that they are predicting to have a better record than the Braves is the Dodgers at 94 wins. And so, you know, I just wanted to mention that, that as far as these projection systems go, uh, the Braves are really solid. They are a good, really good team. I, I find that interesting. And um, I think that, you know, they obviously uh, could, could push the Dodgers for the best record in uh, the National League next year, even with a, a tough division. All right, so here are my uh, division uh, winners for, um, for this season. And remember that the, the playoffs have expanded to 12 teams. I don't particularly love that fact. <laughs> I'm kind of an old school guy in terms of, I like that baseball has always been really hard to get to, uh, the postseason. you know, it's such a long season, uh, 162 games. Um, it doesn't really make sense to have, uh, a huge long postseason like, uh, maybe it would in other sports. I mean, I don't like in basketball now that's 10, 10, teams in each league and you have all these you know play-in games uh it just seems to make the the regular season not mean much but nonetheless i mean this is the system we have now and of course a lot of that is about money and more playoff games mean more money for the players and the league so here we go um of course as you know my nl east champion is the braves i have um the brewers winning the nl central again uh their pitching is lights out uh it's a matter of if they get enough hitting or not i do worry a little bit about the brewers if they were to lose a couple guys uh in their pitching staff to injury uh, i think their their offense is pretty well it's not weak but it's just not that spectacular and so you could really see their weakness because they're kind of an imbalanced team uh the national league west i have of course the dodgers now the padres on paper um are pretty good, but I really don't think 
um, I don't think they're as as good uh, by any means as the Dodgers, particularly with Tatis starting the year on the DL, or sorry, the IL now. Um, so my three wildcard teams, I do have the Padres taking a wildcard spot. The Mets, like I said, I don't think they're going to implode, so I think they'll be good enough to take a wildcard spot. And then the Giants. Um, the Giants, you know, everybody forgets that they, they won 107 games last year. And the projections only have them winning 85. I just have a hard time believing that. But even at 85 wins, they have a shot at getting into a wild card spot. So, yeah, I think the Giants will be back. We'll continue to get good pitching. And um, I think they do have – they play a good brand of baseball uh, that is generally going to win you some games. Uh, the AL East, I have the Blue Jays winning. Uh, the projection systems also really like the Blue Jays. But, man, they are a fun team to watch. They're young. They're dynamic. They have a lot of good arms. It does make sense that uh, the, the Blue Jays would win some games this year. Uh, the White Sox in the AL Central. AL Central is really weak. I just don't see anyone else being able to, to win consistently in the AL Central. And the same with the AL West. Um, the Astros, I think, are just kind of there. And they're not going to be as good as they were last year, but they'll probably win another uh, West Division title. And then the wildcard teams, I have the Yankees, even though they don't, they don't have a great starting pitching staff, but they have the offense to do it. The Rays, you know, they just always seem to find enough ways to win. And then my third wildcard team in the AL Central, again, I don't know. I, I'm saying the Twins, and I don't really even know why I'm saying the Twins. Maybe Carlos Correa is going to just have the year of his life and carry them to the playoffs. Um but it could be the Red Sox. It could be the Angels with Mike Trout coming back and Shohei Otani. Um, it could be the Mariners. So, you know, there's a lot of teams in the AL that maybe could just jump up and have a great season. Uh, but I just picked the Twins because uh, every two or three years they seem to put together a good, a good season. Okay, so moving forward, who do I like in the NLCS? I like the Braves over the Dodgers. I think it's going to be a... Um, Another showdown for the third year in a row between the Dodgers and Braves. And, of course, um, I like the Braves taking that. Um, how sweet it would be, right, for the Braves to beat the Dodgers again, send them home, send them packing, and even new Dodger Freddie Freeman, you know, um, it's, you know, and with Kenley Jansen at the Braves, it, it's going to be an incredibly intense uh, it's already an intense rivalry, but you can imagine an, another NLCS between those two teams. And I really think those are going to be the two best teams in baseball. I think in some ways it's the de facto World Series right there. Uh, the LCS, I like the Blue Jays over the Astros. Um, I think that, again, the Blue Jays, they haven't really proven it in any kind of playoff you know, way yet. They haven't got there, right? They haven't done it, but this could be the year that they step up. They, like I said, they certainly have the talent to do it uh, with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and a lot of young guys. So we will see, but I, I do kind of like them. So what that would set up would be a an old classic matchup from the 1992 World Series, right? This rematch of 1992 between the, the Braves and Blue Jays, and maybe the Braves could get um, some revenge from that series in which, of course, the, the Blue Jays won it in six games. Even though that was a, a most of those... Um, games were pretty close, including the, the last game that the Blue Jays won. Uh, but yeah, I think that would be a really fun, dynamic uh, matchup between teams with a lot of young stars. Uh, I think that would be a very cool World Series. Um, 
All right, guys. Well, those are my predictions. Obviously, I have uh, I have a rosy outlook regarding the Braves in the 2022 season. So much of the 2021 season went poorly until the Braves finally figured it out after the All-Star break. I think this season is going to be not easy by any means, but I think it's going to be more consistent with what the Braves have to do. I think once Ronald Acuna comes back, uh, things could really, um, really click. And man, I'm still praying that uh, that Mike Soroka can come back and and mean something to this team. Uh, so there's a there's a lot of positives that that could drop the Braves' way um, this year. Well, that is it for me, guys. I am so looking forward to this season getting started. I really appreciate your support. Just remember to follow me and uh, and uh, well, follow me on Spotify uh, and. Please give me a kind review there as well. Five stars would be particularly appreciated. It really does help. Uh, and remember, you can also listen to me on Apple Podcasts if you p- would prefer that uh, that system as well. So, uh, guys, again, thanks a lot, and I will talk to you talk to you soon.